Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is the Frey Podcast, brought to you by thefrey.com, a place for women who want more from life. Today's podcast is a conversation with Laura Corcoran. Laura is a holistic psychologist and at the very top of our episode, she explains to me and to you, the listener, exactly what that means. She is qualified in holotropic breathwork and EFT, which is the emotional freedom technique, which Laura will talk about. She's just a breath of fresh air. I really think that you're going to enjoy this conversation with Laura. I think you're going to want to hear more from her. So definitely check the show notes so that you can find her link to her Instagram, which is at her successful mind. Laura and I kind of jump all over the place in some ways in this conversation, but hopefully in a really enjoyable way. We talk a lot about belief systems and making change in your life. We also speak about letting people go at different times and exactly what it means to call someone in and to energetically manifest situations and people in your life. So I hope that you really do enjoy my conversation with Laura Corcoran. Let's dive straight into it. Laura, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to sit down and have this conversation with me. I've been really looking forward to it. My pleasure. I'm so excited to be sharing with you and all of your community. I feel like it's such an important topic what we're about to dive into. So I'm really excited. Yeah. And I feel like excited because I think that this conversation could go in many different directions. (laughs) And I've been listening to some of your content over on Instagram and I'm like, oh yes, yes. Like I want to have this chat with you. Mm. But before we start kind of grabbing some of those threads, I would love if you can please take a minute to just explain to our listeners exactly what it means to you to be a holistic psychologist. Beautiful. Um, I think the best way is just to take you on a bit of my journey and how um, it led me into holistic psychology. So I was trained as a medical, like in the medical field as a traditional psychologist um, and then working across different avenues of the government and specifically working with the mind, um, which is a beautiful modality and can obviously impact and does impact our emotions and behaviours. Um, but what I found is that there was still that stuckness, the cycle, the repetitive cycle. And I was like, there has to be something more um, to create a resolve. So a lot of, you know, we have, we have trauma on a spectrum. We all have it. There's many people that have come to me and said, I feel stuck. This keeps theming for me, but I don't know why, because I had a great childhood Um, But when we start probing and unpacking, it doesn't necessarily mean you had to have a horrific childhood. 
it could be something that, you know, for example, I remember one client, um, her mom was cleaning the dishes and dad was having a sleep up in the bedroom. And obviously mom was overwhelmed from my perspective and she shut down the child when it was, when they were asking for something specific in that moment, they didn't feel heard that actually gets stored in the body. Um, which is something that I then find out. So from being in these roles and me wanting to actually create this fulfillment and happiness in people, um, I went down um, the route of researching trauma and how it gets stored at a cellular level. Um, And I guess for me, I've always been a bit spiritual and intuitive in who I am and didn't really recognize that until I started my own healing journey. Um, and I recognized as well that I, you know, radical honesty, I became a psychologist to fix myself through other people. As we do, right? Yes. Yes. And if someone would have told me that 10 years ago, I would have been like, no, I'm here to help people. And, but what I realized on my healing journey is how much of a disservice I was being to people because I wasn't healed. And we really can't hold a beautiful space for people because we're projecting our stuff onto them. We're being triggered by their stories. Mm. So I sat on my healing journey quite some time ago. And then through this was obviously when I really looked at trauma and how it gets stored in the body. And I was like, okay, well, if it gets stored in the body and we know our body is in a survival state all of the time, how can we control our mind if our mind shuts down when we're in a survival state? So things didn't really start making sense to me. I was like, okay, so I I feel like I can't work with people's minds, you know, like cognitive behavioral therapy and all of these amazing modalities Mm -hmm. if they're still in a survival state in their body because they're not going to be able to rationalize it logically because that's what happens to the prefrontal cortex. It shuts down when we're heightened and hypervigilant, which the majority of us are in society because of all of the stress and all of the conditioning and all of the trauma that we've experienced. So I was like, okay, I'm on a mission to shift this from the body. Um, and intuitively, I was guided to, first of all, emotional freedom technique. Um, you know, I had all of these beautiful modalities coming to me like EMDR. And for some reason, again, and this was my intuition, I wasn't pulled towards that. I was pulled towards EFT and this matrix part because I don't believe we need to, again, it didn't make sense to rehash the trauma because for me, I felt like we were rewiring those circuits, still talking about it. Yes, kind of staying stuck in it almost. Yeah. So I was like, how can we actually access? Because it's not the trauma that's the issue, is what I find. It's the belief you took about yourself from that trauma. Well, that's because, right, because the thing can happen. But if, yeah. we were, if we had the ability to just let that isolated incident stay in one spot and keep moving forward without carrying like this ghost of it yeah you know that that would be fine but it's because we carry the ghost we carry the story and then we keep like Mm. affirming that belief and I heard you say the word theming that's what I wrote down I was like I love that because then we must keep drawing that exact theme back in to repeat itself we do. And that's that's the part of it that's been really profound on, on my journey and as well while I've been working with people is when we recognize the theme, because what we're doing, because, you know, we're energy, like if we actually, you know, take ourselves into a microscope, we're energy. So if we're vibing at a particular energy and, and we have a belief that we're not lovable or we're not good enough or we're not smart enough, that energy is vibing out And it's attracting that thing back in because that's the level we are vibing at. 
So if we have a belief system that we're not good enough, everything in our world is going to validate that energetic vibration of us not being good enough. Yeah, like subconsciously. So it's not the fact of the trauma. It's the fact of the belief that you have stored inside of you and then energetically at a cellular level that keeps creating these relationship patterns, these financial difficulties, these career difficulties, whatever, because it's themed throughout the whole of our life. And I think people don't actually realize that. It's not just in one area. If it's in one, it's in all of them. Mm -hmm. Um, And it keeps cycling through because what we're doing is we're still trying to create that resolve of that need getting met. But we're doing it in this really convoluted way because the mind still is trying to protect us from not feeling this emotion. But what it's doing is attracting it in because we're energetically magnetizing it in. So I was like, okay, well, the one thing that we need, you know, so EMDR, beautiful modality and absolutely amazing for the majority of people. I just wasn't intuitively guided to that. So I went with EFT and the matrix, which is the extra modality, you know, so you have the tapping side of it that regulates your emotion and shifts the energetic block because, again, we're working with energy, which I feel is really important. We have this beautiful flow of energy, and if we have trauma blocked in the system, it's a bit sticky. It's kind of like we keep meeting these bumps in the road. And then the matrix part of it is when we actually go into the memory and do inner child work on the spot, but it's you that goes back to that child. It's not the parent. It's not, you know, these specific, because we don't need it from mom and dad or the caregivers or the environment and the situation. We need it from ourselves. So we actually go back and we reparent ourselves on the spot and we find out what the belief is that that inner child is still carrying because these inner children are still in our quantum field. So what I mean by quantum field is we have this energetic, beautiful energetic aura, if you want to call it but we still have these children stuck in because in quantum, there's no time and space. They're still stuck there. So we need to go back to that time to be able to dissolve the belief. So when I started on that path and then I was like, okay, I love this. And then intuitively was guided then to breath work because I was like, how can I again, take it to another level where we can actually release the emotion without having to talk about it? Because I'm all about empowering people. You know, I believe we're all our self healers. Um, We don't need ample amounts of therapy and all of these things, you know, yeah, they're beautiful to have in our corner. And I definitely have them as well. But it's not something that we need to always rely on, we should be relying on our own gifts. But we need to unpack the layers of those emotions to be able to access it. And this is what I find that EFT and the breath work was able to release the emotion. And then we can work with the practices of the brain to rewire. Mm. So in terms of holistic, when we're talking about a holistic view, it's actually how can you look at the whole thing and think about how can I help myself in this moment? And we're talking about energy in the body we're talking about the mind, we're talking about the soul, we're talking about nutrition, sleep. It's the whole shebang. It's not just one. Because if we're focusing on the one thing, then there's going to be other avenues that are still misaligned and it's still causing that roadblock. So that's how I view holistic is holistically within your life, where are you being challenged? And which parts aren't matching or you're feeling aligned with or you're feeling disconnected with and we need to ramp those up. And then when we do, the transformation and the healing is just profound. 
and it makes it makes so much sense Laura because Mm. you can sit down and you can go in and see your psychologist weekly and have all of the talk therapy in the world but like you said if you still have so much trauma stored in your body Mm. your mind is not going to really be able to take on board everything that you're working through with your psychologist and it's all Mm. connected like even as you were speaking that I was thinking it's so true because if we have this belief this trauma stored in our body that we're carrying then our mind also kind of wants to seek that out again as proof because our mind is so smart. So we're caught in this like vicious cycle of like, oh, I'm storing this in my body. And then my brain's also seeking out ways to prove and to validate that that is so true. And so you just, I imagine, keep coming up against the same brick walls unless you Mm. are looking at the holistic picture. And I know for Mm. myself, um, a couple of years ago, I did some intense breath work with a great facilitator and I could not believe the release. Mm -hmm. Like my first breath work experience, I went along thinking, oh, this is going to be like a lighthearted thing to do with my girlfriends. No, it like knocked me on my ass. It was like having Mm. 10 years of therapy in like a 90 minute period. And what came up for me, Laura, was like, just, I had suppressed so many things. I just Mm. kept putting it down. And I can remember having such a, like, like a a hysterical response during this breathwork experience Mm. and the facilitator coming over to me and saying, it's all in you. Like it's existed Mm. within you. Like just hold space. It's not going to kill you. Like just breathe, like Mm. let it be there. And Mm. just like, oh my gosh, this acceptance of like, I've been trying to run from all of this, but it's there anyway. And to be able to feel it and then let it out was Mm. like the most cathartic type of therapy I've ever had. And I've been in and out of traditional talk therapy since I was Mm. 20. Um, Mm. And so I just, like, I'm sat here as you're talking, like, yes, I so know this to be true. You need to work with the body and the mind. Mm. Absolutely. It's such a, you know, I'm fully activated when you're talking about that because it's, it is, it is this whole thing about, you are your own healer, like you really are. So even in the breath, we might hold this beautiful space for you in this safe container for you to be seen and heard and be vulnerable and allow you to surrender to what's coming through. But it's you that's allowing yourself to access it. It's you that's willing to be seen and vulnerable and held probably for the first time. Um, and then it allows, and you know, because these emotions that we compact in, they're just energy. That's all it is. And this is what I say to everyone, like, the judgment and the ego mind that comes in and tells you, I must sound horrific to everybody in the room, or what are people going to think of me if I'm crying? Like all of this stuff are, are often linked to beliefs about ourselves. So it's in those moments, just surrendering to that and just allowing this energy to be released from the body finally. So then your mind can work more efficiently. And that makes so much sense with everything that you just said about when you are completing a breathwork experience allowing yourself to recognize, okay, I am holding this space for myself. I think it builds a little bit of trust in your ability Mm. to manage your experience and your emotions. And I imagine like you tell me I could be off, but I imagine just that action of like, oh, I've got myself then is like a stepping stone towards that ability to go back and reparent yourself. Because if you're thinking like, oh, you know, I don't want to step back into 
being a child because I don't trust Mm. my child mind, but you're Mm. building that trust as an adult. Does that make Mm. sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I even had, I ran an event a couple of weeks ago and there was, a, I mean, they're always profane experience, but I remember one specific woman, she was, you know, really anxious because she said uncertainty and control is a big thing in her life. So walking into this environment is, is huge. Like it's not a simple thing. It's huge. And I admire that in people because it's not easy. And she was telling me when she went through the breathwork and had this beautiful release that what was coming up for her was this control around the feelings that she was having in her body and she wanted to resist against them and fight against them. And then when she surrendered to it, you know, the the release and the safety and the trust, because it's exactly what you're saying, Kylie, it's actually trusting that you are safe in your body. Mm-hmm. You are safe. Because what we're trying to do is we're trying to create safety externally. But the just the just band-aid fixes, it's actually when we can come back into our bodies and integrate it that we feel so much safer in trusting ourselves and trusting our intuition and guidance and not seeking this external approval or opinions from other people because we don't trust our inner ability, you know, because we've disassociated for such a long time. And this is the profound impact of this work. It's it's, you know, breath work is a beautiful modality, but you still need to work with the mind. And then you still need to come into the spirit, which is stillness. You know, a lot of people, and I, I shared this on my stories the other day, as well, and, I, and I was one of these, we distract ourselves so much because we're trying to do all of this, you know, reading the books and listening to the podcast and all of these things, but it's another form of distraction. And the profound thing is, is that when you actually sit in stillness, which is probably the most challenging of anyone. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely was for me, um, that you actually get your answers, But I think a lot of the people, and this was my experience, is I was terrified of what was actually in my mind. I was terrified of feeling the emotion. I thought that I was going to open Pandora's box and wouldn't be able to function. Yeah. Yeah. And these these are the stories that convolute our healing. It stops us because it's uncertain. We've never done it before. Um, you know, but the thing is, is that when I actually sat there in stillness and, you know, start with five minutes, if you, if you can't do five minutes, start with two, um, the answers and the downloads, when you create that space in your mind are profound, it's coming from the higher version of you, this higher consciousness within you, when you put the ego mind to the side, and then it's about listening and taking the action on that, which is again, another form of scary because it's uncertain, but everything, the answers and where we need to go in our life is within us because we're so independent from each, you know, each other person. So what works for me might not work for you. Um, you know, and this is this is the important part. It's trusting and feeling aligned with that person, that mentor, that therapist, that modality um, and trying it all and seeing what you feel aligned with, which is the most important part. It's so wild, isn't it, that just sitting and being with your own thoughts can bring up so many feelings of discomfort and like dis-ease around doing that because it is so easy to defer your intuition to someone else to let them be the expert on you. It's also really easy to distract ourselves all of the time. You know, like Mm. we've got access to so many other voices and images at all Mm. times now with our phones. So I love 
everything that you're saying, because that's something I'm always trying to do for myself. Um, and I was just saying in a podcast interview that I did yesterday, I have a consistent reminder, a notification on my phone that says, how do I feel and what do I need? Because mm. I noticed that like a year ago, I was picking up my phone to get that ego hit, that validation. And it's like, oh, hang on, wait, what do I actually feel? And what do I truly need? Just that prompt alone has been so helpful for me rather than outsourcing yeah. that kind of distraction. High powerful, high yeah. powerful. And that's what I love. It's that you, are, when we, when we seek that external stuff, it's so disempowering. We don't, we don't have a choice then, you know, but when we actually come in and ask ourselves the question, we're the ones making that decision. And it's so empowering that you get to make the choice in that moment. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. And on that topic of empowering women in particular to make certain choices, when you and I sort of started bouncing around ideas for this conversation, one of the thing I put, one of the suggestions I put forward, excuse me, was perhaps we could discuss why is creating change often so hard? You know, like whether it's change in that habitual sense of like, why can't I break my addiction to soft drink or fast food mm. or whether it's a big change, like why can't I change the way that I'm communicating with my partner or why can't I change my whole life? You know, why can't I take that leap and pack up and move what's holding mm. me back? So, mm. I mean, I know that's such a big, a big topic and people it. would benefit from working with either, you know, you on a one-on-one -on -one basis or doing their own work, of course, but I'd love to just throw that out there and say to you, what is it? Like what's stopping people from making the changes that on one hand mm. they so want to make, but on the other hand yeah. it's like, oh, absolutely not. Yeah. I mean, in a nutshell, it's fear. Um, the fear of what comes up. So if we, you know, think from the medical term, our mind is a survival organ. So it's built to help us survive in the environment so when we're walking into something, so this is why the brain loves repetition, habits, predictability, you know, structure. It loves all of this stuff because it makes you feel safe. So at any point in your life, if you're feeling, you know, you, you get the feeling whether you're not feeling fulfilled in your relationship or your work or whatever it might be, and you know you need to change it. But then the thought of changing it creates uncertainty. And the mind, then the ego part of you, gives you every excuse and story of why not to do it. Oh, you know, but it's really good money. And it, you know, this was mine anyway. So when I was in the government roles and I was about to quit both of my, my jobs as a single mom, um, as you can imagine, it was terrifying. But my body was screaming at me that so much resistance of even showing up in those spaces. So I was like, I remember thinking, okay, well, 
you know, one of them, one of the positions, I was a, a senior psychologist in the mental health units. And I was like, you know, I love this role, but ego was like, I'm climbing the ladder. It's really great money. I get my taxes paid. I get all my super, all of the stories. But I was like, but am I being of my highest service to these people? No, I'm not because I'm so resistant to the work because I don't believe it. I believe there needs to be more. And, you know, and I was actually bringing my practices into the ward, which was beautiful. And I could see the resolves happening. But you can imagine when people get stuck in the system, you're fighting yeah, the whole system Yeah, you only have then. a small amount of control, a small amount of wiggle room. Yeah, and that I found difficult. So I felt we were creating these changes and then there was all of these roadblocks and then they come back in again. And I was just like, it's so hard to be in that specific system. And, you know, it's it's definitely amazing to keep people safe and all of them things. But what I was finding is I was resistant to the work. So I knew that energetically I wasn't being at my highest service. So... I had a contract with that and then I had a permanent position which was in addictions. So I could have kept that permanent role for 12 months. I could have gone away, gone into private prac, done whatever I wanted and kept this position. Yes. But I was like, okay, well, why am I doing that? You know, do I see myself going back into the government role? No, I don't. My mind was saying, well, yeah, because it's great. It keeps you safe. It's good for future or whatever, you know, status quo. You're comfortable Um, but I was like, but what is it that I really want? And I was like, I don't want that anymore. So Mm. I, in that moment, and it's around trusting, I was terrified. It was around trusting that I had to trust what my body was telling me. And I resigned from both of those positions. And as you know, when we let go of safety, it's almost kind of like we expand into a newer version of ourselves. It's like, we're letting go of this attachment. So Change is difficult when we're attached to things because they mean something to us, whether it's validation or for me, you know, I was I was in quite high end position. So me coming from a very low socioeconomic family, it was the title of being a senior psychologist. Being able to say to your family. Yeah, absolutely. It was all of these attachments. And so it was being okay with letting go with that and trusting what my body was telling me. And then obviously from that, when you do that, you experience the opportunities because the doors just, it was like the universe just went, thank God you did that and just flooded the gates open for me. And then obviously I was experiencing the work that I was doing with people um, and the profound transformations that they were having. So for one of these things, you know, and, and I always share my story and vulnerability because I think it resonates with people is it's fear. It's what are the attachments that you have, you know, even leaving my relationship to my long-term partner of my kids, you know, beautiful man, but I didn't feel connected. And I was trying to make it work because to everybody else, we had this beautiful life and the white picket fence and, but I wasn't feeling connected. So it was like in that moment, it's, again, trusting what your body is trying to guide you with and what it is that you want for your life and being okay with that. It's just the uncertainty of it. So a really beautiful practice that I often use with this is when we are faced with fear, which is uncertainty of the the future, it's, okay, well, your mind, it doesn't know what's coming, but let's sink into what you actually know right now. What do you actually know? You know that you are suffering from depression and anxiety. You know that you are feeling disconnected from yourself. You know that, you know, for me, you were resistant going to work. You know you weren't feeling aligned with it. So if you know all of them things, you've got you that know, intel. It's a lot, 
yeah, it's a lot easier for you to go, okay, well, I'm just going to try it. I'm just going to try it because I've been living in this for five years now and it's a long time. And then when you dip your toe in and you try it, and I'm not telling everyone to go quit the jobs and all of that kind of stuff, that was my journey. Um, But when you try it, you open up these possibilities then rather than focusing on the problem, we sink into the possibilities. I love that story. Thank you for sharing that. As you were speaking, I kind of had a visual of you with like one little shackle on your ankle, like that safety net of like, I'm just going to keep that job position there. But it would be, even though it's like a positive thing to have that option, it would be something weighing you down, pulling you back. Yeah, Yeah. limiting you exactly. But something that you meant, I mean, obviously you spoke a lot about fear then. What Mm. if someone is wanting to make a change that they know is better for them? Say if we stick with the really basic example of improving their health habits, maybe they're continually binge eating, um, finding it hard to make positive choices in that way. Mm. Is there fear in the unknown version of yourself, even if you imagine that that person is going to be happier and healthier? I guess what I'm asking is there has to be, right, like some comfort in like, even though I don't love this version of myself in the way that I want to, the safety of knowing that I'm going to show up and do the same thing tomorrow is better for me. Does that mm. make sense? That was like fear. Yeah, absolutely. Like the fear of letting go of stuff that you know isn't serving you, yeah. but it's like that and safety, that container is more comfortable. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, is with this, for example, you know, the mind knows the cycle. Um, so it, it seems more comfortable to sit in that uncomfortability relay Um, then move out of it but the thing is is that you have to recognize that this thing that you're attaching to is still serving you to some level whether it's you know the quick fix of food which is giving you that quick dopamine hit you know the mind loves quick fixes this is why we're all on the fad diets and the I'm just going to go do one breathwork session and hopefully I'm healed and I'm just going to do six psychology sessions and hopefully I'm fixed the mind just wants a quick fix but the thing is is that we're forever evolving, we're forever unfolding. There's no landing platform or destination that we're getting to. Yeah, there's no end there. No, no. And I was like, I was one of them people always searching for the ending. But now I get so excited at the fact that there is none and that I'm always going to be expanding and unfolding and that I get to see people do that too. So it's all about perception, but it's also recognizing what's the thing that this gives to you. What is it that it's giving to you in that moment that you're not willing to let go of? And is that more important than this version of you? So, you know, like I shared in the community page of yours, it's about what is this version that you want to create within yourself for six months time? Because the thing is, is that often the mind, you know, all or nothing thinking we want to do it all. And then there's just too much resistance then because the stories are just too impactful the conditioning's just overriding everything. You might go really well for six weeks and then you completely sabotage because you still have these beliefs of our fear of failure, you know, so we sabotage it along the way because we are actually afraid of that failure being validated. But we're actually creating it anyway because that's that energetic manifestation. We're creating that failure, and I hate the word failure. There's never a failure. It's always lessons but we're creating it anyway by sabotaging our potential. 
And it's like, what if in those six weeks time, you recognize a cycle popping up? So you've been eating really well. Maybe you've been triggered by an something in your environment or a relationship. And what in that moment, you know, and this is the framework around this version of you, this six month version of you, what are the standards that you create from her? So would she then go and buy the pack of chips or go for McDonald's if she in six months time is wanting to feel nourished and well and regulated? No, she wouldn't. She would make the decision to go home and go for a walk and do breath work and nourish her body with juice. And that's what we need to anchor into. It's not who you are now. It's who you are becoming. And when you do that, you collapse time. And you're working from the future version of yourself, not you right now anymore. Because it's almost like we have to remember we've got our experiential self in the moment, but we can, in fact, kind of disentangle, you know, pull that apart from that future version of ourself. And I think that that is just such helpful information for people to understand. You can be in an experience and not necessarily take the actions that you're feeling called Mm -hmm. to take it's not always easy, particularly when you've been, you know, continually confirming that that's what you should do through actions and thoughts, but Mm. you can get to a place. And this has been a big unlock for me. And it's something that with my eating disorder in my twenties, I had to really learn and understand was I am the sky and the clouds that come through are the thoughts and feelings. And there are going to be times when I have those compulsions that Mm. go along with that disorder, but I've just Mm. kind of got to go yep, I'm experiencing that in this moment and just let that pass, not necessarily act on it, but it's hard. Of course it's hard. And, you know, there's multiple reasons that we find change hard and one is that you're, you're changing too many things at once. So we need to scale it back, you know, and just think about one thing that you can change each and every day just one, you know, we're not going for a run for 4k and changing our whole diet. And maybe it's just breakfast Or maybe it's just getting up an hour earlier than you usually do. All of this stuff compounds over time into the version of you that you want to become because you're creating new habits. So sometimes it's just that we're going too big too quick and there's a lot of overwhelm and that's when the ego stories come in. You know, another one could be that you're really comfortable in the status quo because it's safe. You know, you're not wanting to move out of that safety, but it's more anchoring into what do you know to be true right now? And what if you did just try that one thing, like getting up an hour every morning, honoring your word, committing to yourself? Because again, like you were sharing in with the breath work, it's building that trust back in that we can trust ourselves. Yeah. That if we're going to say, okay, well, I'm going to get up at five o'clock each morning and just sit in a meditation or do yoga or just have some stillness before the kids come up. You honor your word in that. And what you do is you're trusting, you're building that trust back up in yourself So it's about scaling it back. You know, it could be that you're unsure about what the change may bring. So it's anchoring into what do you know to be true? You know, all of these beautiful practices. Yeah. Another one is impatience because the mind wants a quick fix. And it's always remembering that there is none. Like it's, it sounds, you know, everybody that I come into contact with, not so much now, but I used to, it's like, okay, but how do I do that? And how do I get to that quickest destination? It's just like, there is none. And it's it's devastating to hear. I remember when I, you know, find that out myself, I was like, God, is this going to be me forever? But now it was about perception of 
like, I love that I'm going to get to unfold, you know, like I was sharing before, it's all about your perception, you know, and then it's that I feel like the last one is when we're trying to change other people, we're trying to change our external environment, which then disempowers us because we're putting so much expectation on this external stuff to make us feel better, that it just leads to severe disappointment. Um, mm. And it keeps us stuck in the moment. I think there's also so much um, to do with that all or nothing thinking. So it's like you want to be perfect, you know, and so many, you know, high functioning (laughs) women want to be perfect. So they want to do it all, as you said, but it's like just so important to understand laying the teeny tiny stepping stones along the way. And that's what it's all about because like the work is in, is in that. So if you were to jump from start point to end point and miss all of those little stepping stones, those small shifts, you're, you're going to miss the good stuff. Mm. And that's like Mm. one of my favorite quotes from James Clear, who has the book Atomic Habits. He talks about, you know, if you had two aircraft side by side and you tilted the nose of one aircraft, two degrees, and then Mm. both aircraft take off they're going to land in totally different places over the space and time of their trajectory. You know, you don't Mm. need to spin the aircraft 180 degrees to get it to land somewhere different to that one that's next to it. It's just like a slight 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 shift. shift. But over time, you're going to land somewhere totally different. I love that. Yeah, it's like I think I love visuals like that. They're amazing. Yeah, same. Um, It's so powerful. Yeah. Um, which I can't with really... the food. Can I just touch on the food stuff as well? Because I've worked with many clients around. Yeah, the food. please do. Um, and the food, it, it's a safety. It's a safety. It's like we've created this armor around ourselves that food gives us the comfort. But again, it's like, what is it you're actually seeking? What is the need that you are not meeting? you know, which is from childhood, there's something there. And one of my beautiful clients that I work with, you know, hers was specifically with her dad and not feeling loved and validated. So what she did to, to you know, to protect herself is turn to food, binge eating. Um, but what it's created now is for her to feel more unloved and unvalidated. But because she's got an, this attachment to food, it's just created this big cycle. So it's not even, you know, I think she came to me and was like, because um, um, I used to be a personal trainer and she thought I'd be talking about food plans and exercise regimes and we weren't talking about any of that. It was all about self-love because when we actually love ourselves and we have that worthiness within ourselves, we actually don't want to put this stuff into our bodies. We actually want to nourish ourselves and give ourselves that well-being. And this was my story because I was such a binge eater on chocolate. So if I'd had a stressful day, I would go through one, two home-sized blocks of chocolate and I wouldn't even enjoy it. I'd just literally shove it in my mouth. Going through the motions. And munch on it, yeah. So I wasn't, you know, and it's it's from when I've been on my healing journey and learned more about loving myself and, and you know, relying on myself and trusting myself that I actually don't think about chocolate can be in my fridge now for months and I won't have it. Or if I do, it's because I feel like it and I'm not binging on it. So it's not the food that's the actual issue. It's the the, the self-love aspect of it, of you are still creating yourself pain and suffering because at an internal level, you believe you deserve that. I so relate to that. And I will never forget a specific moment of opening my pantry years ago and going, oh my gosh, I forgot. Like I forgot that I had this food in here. 
because I was like, oh my gosh, me three years ago would have been obsessing over the fact that I had that food. I would have had to eat it. I would have had to replace it. I would have been thinking about it all the time. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I forgot. And like, I forgot that I had ice cream in the freezer. Whereas, you know, previously that would have been something that I would be really cognizant of and use as Mm. a tool to um, activate my eating disorder in a certain way. So yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? When you have those moments when you're like, oh, look at that growth. Yeah. And it's amazing because it's not that, and this is what the mind, it looks for that external thing, but it's not like it smacks you in the face. It's just like you explained. It's like, oh, I'm actually now living that future version Those of myself. Shifts. Yeah. And I didn't realize I was doing it. And that's the beauty in it. You know, I think I shared something on my Instagram yesterday. It's, you know, a lot of us, especially when we're shifting old identities that aren't even ours, they've been created, we've created them to keep us safe and we're shifting into this new identity but we're still dancing in between. You know, it's called the dark night of the soul because it can be dark. It's like I don't know who I am, you know, a part of me wants to go back here but, you know, a part of me wants to go into the future. I I don't know who I am right now. It could be quite dark, lonely and and a scary place Um, and it's in those moments that I encourage anyone that's, you know, dancing in this realm is what is the one thing that you need? Say, say for example, this was going to be you for the rest of your life. This was going to be the feeling. What's the one thing that you can anchor into that may just get you out of it? You know, is it courage? Is it strength? Is it support? Is it peace? Is it, you know, compassion, forgiveness? What is that one thing? And then what happens is when you keep anchoring onto that, probably what you did, Kyla, is when you anchor onto that, you then, you know, become this version of you come out of the dark night and you're creating this new identity you're starting to unfold into it and then you're doing exactly what you said and you're opening the pantry and you're not feeling you know compelled to binge or to eat this food because you've traveled through that dark night and you've created this new identity from the old one yeah another way that I find myself you know another instance I should say when I have found myself going oh my gosh there must be some growth happening here is the people that I'm calling yeah. into my life. Um, and I know that you're a big believer in this. So I'd love to touch on that, but like just recognizing, as you said, we are all energy and the people that we call in, unless we're healing, we're going to keep calling in someone who's going to keep picking the scab off that wound to be like, are yeah. you sure? Like, are you sure? Yes. Um, yeah. And I think sometimes people think that's really woo woo. You know, because in the past I have said, oh, I think I called that person in because of X, Y, Z. And some people Mm. will be like, really? Are you projecting that? What is it? Um, So I just wonder if perhaps you could speak a little bit to that. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, You know, I'm a big believer that every person that comes into our life is a beautiful teacher, regardless of the pain or the experience of that person. Um, you know, and I was one of them people that longed to belong. Like I just wanted to belong to someone. I just wanted that one best someone friend. Someone accept and, me. Yeah. Yes. And I attached to all of these friendships and felt like I belonged, but I still felt so disconnected. Um, and same in the relationships, you know, those insecure attachments that we create because we don't want to lose it because of how it makes us feel. Um, but what I realized over time with the healing process is that these people are coming into my life to mirror back how I'm feeling in that moment to teach me and guide me, um, which is really beautiful. And, you know, I really kind of accepted that people come into our life for reasons, seasons, lifetimes. 
Um, and that's beautiful. And it's being okay with the detachment of that. So, you know, there's been ample, especially in the last 12 months, there's no attachment that I feel to anyone. Um, I just enjoy it for what it is in the moment. I'm grateful for whatever we're dancing through together. And if at some point there's a shedding process in that, I know it's meant for me, for both of us. We've both been on this beautiful journey together and grown so much. And now it's time to up level and grow again. And maybe we just can't offer that to each other anymore, whether that's friendships or relationships. And, you know, I make it sound so simple. It doesn't mean that you don't feel the grief of that person or you don't feel the emotion of that person, but it's being okay with that. And knowing that instead of fighting against the resistance of detaching from this person, that you trust that they're no longer teaching you about your life. Um, and this was a huge shift for me. And, you know, this is why when I attract and what happens when you're doing this and you're making this shift and you're releasing these attachments and you're accepting, you then energetically bringing other people into your life that are then on the same level as you. And you're mirroring back and you're like, oh my God, like these people, I admire these people. And, you know, there's still some triggers, but it's not, you're not looking at it and going, oh God, I can't stand her or him. Or it's like, wow, what does that mean for me? Why is that coming up for me? And now I have these beautiful relationships where I can speak into that. You know, I can speak into, oh my God, I was so triggered by what you just said. Do you mind if we just unpack it a little bit so I can just get some introspection on it? Because it's never about them. It's always about us. And when we actually understand this, the perception of it, it's really empowering of what is it that I'm trying, like what is the, the thing that is, is it, you know, it's trying to teach me in this moment. And now, you know, from past, I used to kind of get the feather and then I get the brick and then I'd the be truck. hit with the Mack truck. <laughs> oh God. And I was, and now I'm kind of like, okay, I, I'm hearing you. I'm listening and I'm going to take it because I don't want the Mack truck. Yeah. And then you move forward. But there's still that dance between as well, whether you're sabotaging stuff as well, because, you know, and this can be a completely new podcast, um, but whether our heart space is closed down, which normally happens when we've had trauma, mm-hmm. especially from a mother or father wound. Um, but the thing is, again, is that you have to understand that these males and these females that are coming in, are just beautiful mirrors to trying to, to trying to guide us to a higher version of ourselves. And even as you were speaking then, Laura, I was thinking, you know, sort of just in the background there, as a society, there feels like there's so much pressure on longevity of all mm. relationships and mm. exclusivity and I mean, mainly the pressure to be like, find the one, stay with the one. Oh, you've got a best friend. They need to be your best friend forever. Mm. But that obviously comes from a place of fear and certainty as well, because the people around us want to be certain. Oh, they've got their person. They're done. Yeah. You know, that, yeah. that's sort of, oh, they've got their best friend. They're done. I can kind of close that tab in my mind and keep myself feeling safe in that certainty because if they were to separate then that would bring up emotions of uncertainty which feels scary but there's Mm. so much pressure on like oh you've got to be together for a really long period of time and lately I've been thinking so much more about how important it is to judge relationships not judge but you know be mindful of relationships and all of the different markers, you know, from the yeah. connection to the contentment to the growth versus mm. just having that longevity as like, oh, this is this means you're doing it right. Yeah. I love that you shared that as well because it's so true. 
And I'll, I'll touch on two aspects of that because one, it's more kind of around, you know, because people, I was just thinking people might be thinking, okay, well, when do I know that that person's not for me? And a really good way to look at that is, are you still growing? Because again, like I said, we are here to evolve and unfold. We are part of the universe, as we was that saying. So we need to keep expanding. So if we feel like we're playing small in a relationship or we're still constantly trying to hold that person up or drag them to that finish line with us, and energetically we feel drained around that person or we don't feel like there's an equilibrium because in relationships when we talk about in- intimate relationships there is a balance where you're holding the partner the partner's holding you that's beautiful it's a beautiful the dance ebb and but flow. if you feel yeah but if you're feeling like you're constantly holding that person constantly and then that energetically drains you then there's just a mismatch in alignment on what it's doing. It's it's keeping you small. It's stopping you from growing and that's the disconnect you will feel. Um, so that's one indicator of how to know whether that's working for you or not. Um, the other aspect of, you know, when we're talking about this longevity, this is about social norms and, you know, what they've created to be, um, what, 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 you know, shows a good relationship for example or what shows you as a good mom or whatever it may be but the thing is is like I said earlier is that we're all so independent what how we are as a good mom and a good partner is not the same with the next person or the next person or the next person so this is the beauty in this creating our identity of what feels right for us but what I found when I was navigating through my separation and even the, the separating of the jobs was the fear in the people around me. My parents thought I'd lost my mind. And I was like, well, I have lost my mind because I'm not working from here anymore. I'm working from here. So you're right. But what I was trying to do is hold all of their emotions of their own fears. And their but what I realized is that, again, yeah, and this, what I realized again in that moment, because I wanted to fix my mum's pain specifically, um, was that I was enabling her, disabling her healing. So for me going in and fixing, because we can, is was just keeping her playing small and knowing what I know now, I was like, I can't keep going in and rescuing and fixing. So then what happened is, is I created that separation and put boundaries in place. And obviously it caused tantrums and like, this is different and what's going on here. Yeah. And I had compassion in those moments, but I stood in my lane of what feels right for me. And a lot of people think this is really selfish, you know, but the thing is, is what's selfish is we feel like we're being of service to this person, but we're not energetically being of service to ourselves. So we're actually being a disservice to that person when we feel like we want to support and help them. The best way you can support and help anyone is by role modeling, not telling and fixing. It's role modeling. And what I've found now is, you know, and this is two years later is mom is now stepping into that role she's Mm. going out and exploring and has hobbies and has created these beautiful events you know and that's that came from me sticking in that uncomfortability of oh my god like I feel awful I just want to fix it I just want to take the pain away I just want to you know just go and appease everybody else's emotions and disabandon myself in that moment. But when I didn't, I obviously felt more fulfilled. I felt more energized. And now I can see the people around me starting to follow because we are the lighthouse. Yeah. We shine this beautiful light and it's not by the things we're doing as you'd know, as a mom, it's how we're being. Yeah. Sorry, not, not the things we're saying, it's how we're being. Yeah. How we're living. And that was the biggest shift I saw in my children. It's like when I actually stood in my power, I then saw them standing their own, 
you know, and it's not because I was telling them to do this and, oh, go meditate and go for a walk and this will fix you. It was like, no, I was actually shining it and, and role modeling that behavior. And it's not just for children, it's for friends, it's for partners, it's for family, it's for everything. Um, it reminds me. We just went on a me. massive tangent then, which I always do. So beautiful. Oh, no, I love it. I love, love, love it. Um, it reminds me of a quote that I was just listening to this morning and Elizabeth mm. Gilbert was saying, every act of honesty is a kindness and every mm. act of dishonesty is being unkind. Even though in the moment it can be really uncomfortable to be standing in your truth, to be putting those boundaries in, in the long term and sometimes in the short term, but it always is an act of kindness when you yeah. really are truly doing it from an authentic place. Now, you mentioned yeah. your mum, and I know before we hit mm. record, you and I sort of bounced around and said, oh, should we chat about the mother wound? I would love mm. to speak about the mother wound and the father wound with you, but I am aware yeah. that we've been chatting for nearly an hour. <laughs> so I would love to invite you back and, like, let's do an episode specifically on these relationships, if that suits you. I'd love that. I know I've put yeah, you on I the spot. That. You can say no. no. I'll edit it out. <laughs> no, because we spoke about it previously and because I've navigated and still navigate, you know, this is the thing about healing. It's not that you heal it and it's gone. Mm-hmm. It just becomes easier. You see it, you have more awareness of it and you get a choice in that moment. But because I've navigated through both wounds, I'd love to share that with you. I would would really love to as well. I think it will be a really rich conversation. Um, Mm. So you and I can work that out offline. But I know that so many people listening will be like just desperate for more of you. Mm. Where should Mm. they go? Where can they find you? Um, the best platform is on Instagram at Her Successful Mind. That's where I offer so much value and quotes and little snippets in my stories that I know will resonate. Um, so that's the best place to find me if you want to reach out and connect. Perfect. I will put the details for your Instagram handle in our link in our show notes as well, so people can find you really, really easily. Thank, Thank you, you so much for everything today. I've really enjoyed My speaking pleasure. with you and I look forward to our next conversation. Beautiful. Thanks, Kyla. This is what I want. This is what I need. If you don't have to go, I can set you free. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.